0: Well, I'd like to be one of the first, hopefully, to wish you a happy new year. If you're watching it on Saturday, it'll be the day before. It'll be New Year's Eve. If you're watching it on Sunday, it is New Year's. But uh, we're just so thankful that you're joining us for this virtual service. And as we begin the year, I can't think of a better worship song to begin the year with than the one that we just sang a few moments ago, Great is Your Faithfulness, because God is certainly faithful, he has been faithful to us, and whatever happens in 2023, we know he's gonna continue to be grateful. Well, I'm gonna ask for just a moment of personal attitude because today is something of a day of celebration for me and for Mary Alice because it was 50 years ago that I preached my first sermon. In fact, you're watching it on Saturday, it actually is the 50th anniversary, because the first message I brought was on New Year's Eve, 1972. And I just look back on that, and I think, God has been so good. He's been so faithful. What's interesting about that moment was um, my girlfriend, who I'd just been dating for a couple of months, was in that service. And so 50 years after that, I still have the same girl in my life, Mary Alice, and I still have the same Bible that I preach from. I don't let this out of the house very much. It's a Bible that my parents gave me in my eighth grade year and I preached my first sermon out of this. In fact, I was looking at the markings that I have on that text and it's been kind of fun for me to go back down memory lane and look at some of the notes that I've made to myself when I was a 16, 17, 18 year old preacher. But God has been good and just speaking of Mary Alice and giving you a little backstory on that, I really think a lot of what I've been doing through these years is Mary Alice's fault because see, when I met Mary Alice, I I was leading worship in my church. I was a pastor's son, uh, and I was, you know, doing these things because I was a Christian. I've been asked to do them, but when I met Mary Alice, it was clear to me that these things were very important to her, spiritual things, so we actually met in debate class. I always find that kind of interesting that uh, husband and wife meet as teenagers in debate class, but it was a research class, and really, we had the time to ourselves either to study or whatever. And Mary Alice found out I was a pastor's kid and she had so many questions about the Bible. And it really touched me that she was very serious about these things. I I knew the answers biblically, but it really mattered in a great way to her. What I also didn't know was that she had just come back from church camp that summer where she had committed her life to be a pastor's wife or a missionary's wife. So that's why I always think it could have just been Mary Alice's prayers that got me called. But I had, and those days, I had planned to either be a, a lawyer or a broadcaster, and I'd had a lot of success in forensic speaking on in, in the competition circuit through colleges and high schools, and also had had some success in debate, so everybody around me thought I was going to be a lawyer. That's what I told everybody, but I remember not long before I preached my first sermon, I, I reached out to Mary Alice and called her, and I said, there's a Bible conference that my parents They made me go when I was a kid. There was a Bible conference. It was always the week after Christmas. They would bring in top speakers from all over the country. And I said to her, if you're interested in going to this conference with me, well, you can go and I'll come by and pick you up. So we went to these services. There were morning services, afternoon services, and evening services. And I never will forget, and this is probably two or three days before I preached my first sermon. God had really been dealing with me about preaching. I didn't tell my parents about it. Didn't tell anybody. Sure didn't tell Mary Alice about it but I was sitting in the first row of the balcony and the speaker that night swung his finger right up to where I was sitting. I mean, not all the way, but just pointed at me. And he said, there's a young man here tonight. And he said, you're under conviction. And that's a term that people used to use when they talked about God dealing with you about being saved. And he said, the thing is, you're surprised that you're under conviction because you're saved. He said, the reason is young man, God is calling you to preach. And I thought, who told him about that? But uh, in those days, we often would have young preachers preach on New Year's Eve, what we called the watch night service. And there were a lot of young seminary students in our area, Fort Worth, Bible College students. And for some reason, they'd all graduated. And so without my dad knowing any of these things that were going on in my life, dad came to me and said, Mark, you're always making speeches in school. Why don't you make a speech about God? And so I wound up preaching my first sermon on New Year's Eve, 1972, 50 years ago. And I look back on that and two things stand out to me. Number one. I'm amazed at how quickly 50 years passes. Uh, These last 50 years have gone by in a flash. But the second thing is God has done so much more than I could have ever imagined. Well, this message is not about my memories. We have something much more important to talk about. Whenever we write the date for January the 1st, it's always 1-1 and whatever the year is. So I'd like for you to take your Bible right now, if you have one. can find one in your house, or if you have an electronic device, I want you to turn to a chapter in the Bible that is chapter one. It is Psalm chapter one. If you have a New Spring Bible, it's page 442. So that's what I want to talk about today. And again, there is some benefit in looking back, like I did a few moments ago. I mean, there's reflection and thanksgiving, but the truth is there's not a whole lot that we can do about the past. We need to be aimed toward the future. Have you ever thought about, there are only a couple things that you can do with the past. You can learn from it. You can leave it, but we can never change the past. One of the books that my wife has read through the years, and it's a famous book, many Christians love the book, it's called My Utmost Forest Highest by Oswald Chambers. Every day there's a devotional that comes from the teaching that he gave back years ago. I've always loved the last devotional of the year in My Utmost Forest Highest, December 31st. And I'd like to just read from a piece of it for a moment that helps us understand how the past needs to be left behind If we've got things that are wrong in our lives, put it under the blood of Jesus Christ. But here's what Oswald Chambers said about facing the new year. Let us go out with the patient power of knowing that the God of Israel will go before us. Our yesterdays hold broken and irreversible things for us. It is true that we have lost opportunities that will never return. But God can transform this destructive anxiety into a constructive thoughtfulness for the future. Isn't that a great line? Let the past rest, but let it rest in the sweet embrace of Christ. And here are my favorite words. Leave the broken, irreversible past in his hands. Step out into the invincible future with him. I love that devotional. In fact, just I cheat sometimes. I read it when it's not December the 31st, but I just love that. One of Satan's biggest tools in your life and my life is to trap us in the past, God deals in futures. And in this brief message, I want you to see that there's something that you can do about your future in 2023 that's absolutely massive. So if by now you have your Bible, if you have Psalm chapter one, if you have a a Bible like I've got with me here that's a, a hard copy, or if you have an electronic device, let's read together Psalm chapter one, verse one, and we're gonna read through verse three. The Bible says, blessed is the man. Man there is just a generic term for human. It could be blessed is the woman. Blessed is the person who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. Now we're gonna come back in just a few moments and take that verse apart almost word by word because it's so important. Let's read on, verse two. But this person's delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night. Verse three. He is like a tree planted by the streams of water which yields its fruit in season whose leaf does not wither. And look at this massive line, whatever he, whatever she does prospers. Now notice that that scripture opens and closes with a promise. There are two promises there. The first promise is massive and it should get our attention very quickly. The Bible says blessed is the person. The word blessed there is a big word. It could be advantaged, that could be a synonym. Advantaged is the person, helped is the person. I love the word favor, favor is the person. Better off than I would have been is the person. But the best definition that I can give for that word blessed simply is this, well-being. God is talking about the person who has well-being. We live in a world today that is so fraught with emotional turmoil. I've been reading articles about Gen Z and the emotional and uh, psychological issues that are reported by this generation. It's amazing. It's staggering. 42% of Gen Z have been diagnosed with a mental health condition. One more time, 42%. And I think one of the things that we need to be honest with ourselves about is that technology does not necessarily help us have a sense of well-being. In fact, technology sometimes can cause us to be more stressed than we would have been without it. Well, there are a couple of words that I don't like very much, and they are to me, they're cheap words, cheap substitutes for the word blessed. See, blessed means there's a relationship. If I'm blessed, that means there's a blesser and I'm the blessee. I don't know if those are words or not, but you get my idea. You know, I hear the word luck sometimes. What is luck? Can anyone actually define it? Does anyone know who the source of luck is? Or karma, that's one that I hate even more. Karma really comes from a pagan religion. But being blessed is something different. Blessed, I know that God is the blesser and here you and I are the recipient. Blessed is personal. So this first promise that we're going to look at, we're going to look at the person who is blessed. And then the second promise that we see is in verse three at the end of that paragraph. It says, whatever this person does, prospers. I love that word prosper. It's a bottom line word. Prosper means there's profit. In other words, We'll have outgo, but we'll have income and our income will always exceed our outgo. We'll always be in a plus situation. So that is what the promise, these promises are to the person who meets the qualifications and the criteria here in Psalm chapter one, blessed is the person and whatever that person does will prosper. Well, what would that mean for us in 2023? I mean, what if you could live every day, all 365 days of this year under the blessing of God? And wouldn't it be wonderful to know that you could come out to the end of 2023 and you have more than you went in with? And I'm not just talking about financial blessings. I mean, I do believe that's part of it, but you know, the greatest blessings in life, money can't buy. So scripture is telling us that if we will follow these guidelines, if we'll accept these criteria, we can be blessed and we can say, whatever I'm doing, I'm gonna come out ahead by the grace of God. Well, I hope you don't think this is negative but the first things that the Bible tells us about the blessed life are negative. In fact, the Bible's gonna tell us what the blessed person does not do. Let's read verse one again. The Bible says, blessed is the person who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. Now, those three verbs, walk, stand, and sit, they're all postures or their actions. But really, when we think about what they mean in literal terms in our lives, we're talking about attitudes. When the Bible says walk, a person who does not walk, it means a person does not have a particular attitude. So walk, stand and sit are all about attitudes, counsel, way and seat that we read a moment ago. Those words all refer to lifestyles. So verse one is about lifestyles and attitudes. Now, given that these three lifestyles stop blessing and prosperity, you and I don't want them in our lives in 2023. Let's read it one more time and let's look at the first. Blessed is the person who does not walk, that's an attitude, in the counsel, that's a lifestyle, of the ungodly. Let's take that lifestyle first. What does the Bible mean when it talks about a counsel of the ungodly? It means advice from any source that ignores God's word. Well, I will tell you, you won't have any trouble finding that counsel today because most of the counsel that we get ignores God's word. In fact, in 2023 America, God's word is almost looked at as the enemy, it's almost looked at as toxic. And yet, scripture tells us here that the person who is blessed does not adopt the lifestyle of a source or the counsel from a source that ignores God's word. Now, the attitude there, when the Bible talks about walking, it means uh, a kind of stubbornness or literally perhaps it means to choose to value. Scripture is saying the person who is blessed does not choose to value advice that ignores God's word. If I could know the people who have your ear, if I could know the people who give you advice, I could tell you your future or at least tell you a lot of it because nothing so predicts your future as much as the advice that you listen to advice has been important to me throughout my years i talked about how that i started off as a very young preacher in my teens throughout my years i've always sought out the counsel the advice of somebody who was 20 years older at least than i was it's getting harder at my age but i really believe in that i want the advice of someone older you know the bible tells us about a king in the bible who wound up blowing up his kingdom and the bible said he only listened to the advice of his peers that's a recipe for disaster You know we need to we need to listen to somebody who's been down the road who takes god's word seriously so i want to challenge you right now to ask you the question do you have godly people in your life who will tell you the truth even if it's something that you don't want to hear the most dangerous friend to have and a person really wouldn't be a friend but the most dangerous friend to have is somebody who will always tell you what you want to hear that person that person will ruin your life you need to have somebody in your life who will tell you the truth as it is in God's word, even if it's something that's not comfortable to hear. I can't tell you how many times I've been saved from taking a wrong turn, sometimes saved from disaster, because I had a friend who knew the word of God and said, Mark, you don't wanna go down that path. And then you say, well, Mark, I don't have anybody in my life that I can trust to give that kind of advice. Well, if you have a Bible in your hand, you have so much good advice. The word of God is filled with great advice. In fact, if you wanna start somewhere, just start in the book of Proverbs. There are 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. Why not, read, why not read a chapter from Proverbs every day? As I just said, there are 31 chapters. January has 31 days. Start today. Read chapter, read chapter one of the book of Proverbs. It's filled with God's wisdom that will help you make good decisions. One more time, the Bible says, blessed is the person who does not stubbornly insist on listening to advice that ignores God. Now let's look at the second. Blessed is the person who does not stand in the way of sinners, When we read that verse, that part of the verse, I think we're probably looking at the reason why so many Christians are not blessed like God wants them to be blessed. The lifestyle there, when the Bible refers to sinners, it means people who are guilty of doing things that God has already judged wrong. One of the common expressions that we hear today, when people refuse to stand up for what is right behavior, they will say, well, I don't judge. Well, oftentimes they'll say, I'm gonna say something is okay but saying something is okay is a judgment as well. The fact of the matter is, God has not asked us to judge. He's made judgments. But scripture tells us that we need to adhere to his judgments. When God says something is right, it's right. When God says something's good, it's good. When God says something's wrong, it's wrong. When he says it's bad, it's bad. So a lifestyle there means the lifestyle of sinners would be people who choose to do what God has already judged morally wrong. And the attitude there, notice the term is stand. Blessed is the person who does not stand in the lifestyle of doing things that God has already judged wrong. Stand there means to be unwilling to rethink. And I've met many people like that. In fact, I've met people who suffered from bad choices but still were unwilling to rethink their choices and decisions. God says blessed is the person who is not stubborn about things that God has judged morally wrong. And then finally, here's the third one. Blessed is the person who does not sit in the seat of the mockers. This is one of the biggest ones to me today. And I hope that for all of us who are Christ followers or even those who want to be blessed today, I hope that we'll take this to heart. Today, in our world, especially in the age of social media, sarcasm and mocking has become accepted, even valued. In fact, I hear Christians sometimes who will tweet and say and post things that are very sarcastic. Sometimes it's laughter at somebody else's expense. For some reason, I'm gonna be honest with you, this really gets under God's skin. This really upsets God. When people are sarcastic, when they're mocking, when they have fun at people's expense, uh, God doesn't like that very much. In fact, scripture tells that will stop the blessing of God in our lives. And it's something that we don't want. Now, notice the attitude there. The attitude is sit. To sit like a judge would sit. That's what we see so many times on social media. Something will happen and then people will render their judgments. I mean, and most of the time they are sitting. They're sitting, you know, with, a, with an iPhone or sitting with a computer or sitting with a, you know, a, a tablet. And sitting in judgment of what other people do and other people saying. And, and God is like, I don't, want, I don't want that to be in, in our lives. I mean, we're, we're God followers. So we need to understand what the scriptures tell us. Blessed is the person who does not sit in the judgment seat of mocking, sarcasm, funded other people's expense and judgment. So if any of these three have crept into our lives, on this first day of 2023, or if you're watching on New Year's Eve, we we want those things out of our lives. Is it advice that leaves God out? Then we want that out. We, We can't listen to that advice anymore. Is it a pattern of life that God has judged as morally wrong? Then we don't want that. Is it mocking? We need to clean house. Whatever we might get out of these, it's not worth losing the blessing and the prosperity. But now look at what this person does do. In verse two, the Bible said his or her delight is in the law of the Lord and on God's law, this person meditates day and night. I like the word delight there because it's very similar to another word. It's it's similar to the word fantasize. The Bible tells us that the blessed person is one who fantasizes about what the world would be like if everybody obeyed God. Now, when we do that, our minds are on good things. Like we read in Philippians chapter four, where the Bible says, if anything's good, if anything's beautiful, if it adds value, we're to think on these things. So in, in, in verse two, the Bible says, this person who doesn't do those first three things, what this person does do is fantasize about what the world would be like if people would just do what God says is right. And then the word meditate there, it's a word that comes from the Eastern world. It means to empty the mind and then fill the mind. So if I'm going to be that person that God talks about in verse two, I've got to empty my mind of some of the junk that gets in there and then fill my mind with what God has to say and think what a world it would be if everybody would just obey what God has to say. You see David do this in the Psalms quite a bit. But now we come to this wonderful verse that I like so much where the Bible tells us what will happen in the life of somebody who doesn't adopt those three attitudes and lifestyles that we saw in verse one, and a person who will fill his or her mind with the word of God. The Bible says, this person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. And here's our promise, whatever this person does, prospers. I've always loved this verse. I was challenged to memorize it when I was a teenager. I think I was 14. I was actually able to audit a college course, um, a course in Christian choral conducting. And I remember the professor that allowed me to audit that course, instructed all of us to memorize Psalm one. And it just changed my life when I memorized it as a teenage kid. But I love that verse so much where the Bible says the person who follows the prescription that we saw in verses one and two of Psalm one will be like a tree planted by the river of water. It's a wonderful verse. But years later, as I was pastoring, I was working on a sermon one day and I came across Jeremiah chapter 17 and I saw that God used the prophet Jeremiah to expand that verse and I wanna leave you with what Jeremiah says. In chapter 17, verse eight of Jeremiah, the Bible says he will be like a tree planted by the water. You recognize that? that sends out its roots by the stream. Now notice the change in language here or the expansion of language. It does not fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Could I just say to all of us here today or all of us watching and listening, even in the blessed life, there will be moments in 2023 when the heat will be on. We'll all experience that. And in 2023, there will be seasons of drought. And I'm not just talking about literal drought. I mean, we had that in Kansas this last year, but I'm talking about just dry spells, dry seasons, perhaps dry seasons in your personal life, dry seasons in your emotional life. If you're married, you may have a dry season in your marriage. You may have a dry season at work. The heat is on in everybody's life, and there are going to be seasons of drought. But notice the Bible says this person doesn't have to be afraid or worried when the heat is on, when the pressure's on. And then the Bible says this person can keep on producing in this season of drought. I do love this psalm. As I said, I was asked to memorize it when I was a teenager, and I think about it all the time, and I definitely think about it every January 1st. But a few years ago, I saw something that changed my mind or at least expanded my mind to what God was saying here. When the Bible says the person who does not walk, sit, or stand in those three lifestyles that we saw in verse one, and when a person will fill his or her mind with the word of God, the Bible says that person will be like a tree planted. But the word planted there is interesting. The usual Hebrew word for planted is nata, but this Hebrew word is shotai which means transplanted. I love that. See, this tree that God is talking about that represents the life of the blessed person, it wasn't always planted by the rivers of water. It may have been planted in a dry place. But somebody who loved that tree dug that tree out by the roots and moved it over and planted it by the river of water so that when the when the hot spells came, when the heat came, when the drought came, Nothing would challenge that tree because that tree had been transplanted from a dry place to a place where there was moisture. To me, that's a beautiful picture of salvation because we were born into this world lost and without God, but God loved us. He loved us so much that according to the word of God, he transplanted us from our dry area, from our, from our, our weakness and our sin and our judgment that was upon us, and he moved us to the place where we could have God's eternal provision in our life. So as I come to the end of this talk, this talk, first talk of the year of 2023, let me just ask you a question. Have you been transplanted? You may be listening to this talk and you say, Mark, I'm still kind of in a dry place. I don't know God. I don't know for sure that I'm going to heaven. Well, you could start 2023 and not only make this the greatest year of your life, you can make this part of your eternal journey to live with God forever. The Bible tells us that we're all sinners. We've all broken God's law, but God loves us very much. And he wants us to live not only a blessed life in this life, but to live a life in eternity with Jesus forever. So if, you're, if you want that experience, if you want to make that decision, that choice in your life on this first day of 2023, you can do that. Here's what the Bible says. Believe that Jesus died to pay for your sins. Believe that he arose from the grave and invite Jesus in. In Revelation chapter 3, Jesus puts it this way. I'm standing at the door and knocking. If anybody will open the door, Jesus said, I will come in. Now, when he talks about knocking in doors, he's speaking in metaphorical terms, but you know what he means. He's just saying, the door of our lives to God can be closed. And Jesus said, I'm out here. I want to come into your life. I want to transplant you. I want to put you by the rivers of water. I I want you to experience God's best. I want you to know for sure that you're going to heaven and will live forever. And if you will open your door to Jesus... He will come in, believe that he died for your sins, believe that he rose from the grave and take him up on his offer of eternal life. I'm gonna close this talk with a prayer that invites Jesus in. And if you would like to pray it with me, you can. Wherever you are, you might be in your home, you might be driving in your car, you might be in a hospital or in a prison, but you're ready for your life to turn around on this first day of 2023. So here's our prayer. And you can pray it with me if you wish. You don't have to pray it out loud. You can just pray it in your heart. Dear God, I am a sinner. And I'm broken and I can't fix myself. But I believe you love me very much. I believe Jesus died to pay for my sins. And since Jesus is alive, I want Jesus to be my Savior and my King. Come into my life, Jesus. Transplant me. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just prayed with me, I wanna send you a gift. And here's all you have to do to get it. Just text the word prayed, P-R-A-Y-E-D, to 97000. I have a gift box. In that gift box, there'll be a, a new spring Bible, just like I preach from. There'll also be a little book that I wrote called My New Walk with God, which will answer a lot of questions. And there's some other things too, just our little gifts to you to say we... We wanna walk with you in your first steps of following Jesus. So once again, thank you for watching today. May God bless you and may 2023 be the greatest year of your life. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in Wichita, the surrounding area, we'd love for you to engage with us in one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our incredible kids and student environments, visit us at newspring.org. One more time, newspring.org.